Exodus, our 21st message in Exodus, and this is deliverance at last. Uh, we started about the Passover last time, and we will conclude, well, we'll continue on the Passover, and then they get out next week. He's going to bring them out next week, and we're talking more about that. 14, and this day shall be 12th of Exodus unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread, even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be an holy convocation, and the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No matter of work, what shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought you your armies, brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever." In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether it be a stranger or born in the land. Ye shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations. Ye shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders and said of Israel, and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover, and ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out to the door of his house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts the Lord will pass over the door and you will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you and you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever we'll halt reading right there May the Lord is blessing to the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, this evening, help us as we think about this wonderful promise of passing over us uh, in, in, in condemnation when we receive the blood of Christ accounted to us, imparted to our account. Thank you for the Spirit's ministry with our spirits. May we be, this week, may we be the people we say we are, Christians walking after you. And Lord, may our lives be exemplary. We those several who are out today. Lord, we've uh, uh, had several out for different reasons. I pray that you watch over them, bring them back again next Lord's Day, or maybe even Wednesday evening. So Lord, help us to think about this text next few moments. Lord, guide and direct my thoughts and words. Forgive me of sin, empty me of self, and please fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see the observance and the performance. And one more thing, I can't think of off the top of my head what it is, but observance, performance, and whatever it is. We'll get there, we'll get there. First of all, we see the days on this observance. In 14, we see the days. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Now put yourselves, we talked about last time, put your sandals on as if you are an Israelite in the land of Egypt when Moses comes and gives all these instructions to them. They've never roasted a, a lamb like this. They've never gathered its blood in the pan for a special purpose. They've never smeared it on the doorposts of their homes. They've never heard of such a thing as an exodus who had, when had an entire nation been picked up and moved out of a country? Never happened before. It's all new things. It must have stunned the soon-to-be slaves. Stop and think about the instructions we considered last time to, to get your family together and kill a lamb or a goat and then get ready to sprinkle and, and, and go goes for all the household or perhaps two households together. What was the logical reason for doing this? And I can give you but one answer. 
God told them to do it. And that was all the answer they really needed. Now, that was an answer my, uh, my parents would give every once in a while because I said so. Now, that was insufficient most of the time in my rebelish thinking. That's the word, rebelish. But God said so. That was the answer. At this point, that was the only reason they needed. There was no power, really, in the dried blood of the slain lamb, yet God in his unfathomable wisdom said, no, this is what must be done as a picture of my son to come later on. What a beautiful picture it was. It required one thing, obedience. He never asked him to think about it, never asked him to dialogue about it. He never asked them to consider when to do it. He just told them what to do, and they were to do it. Strict obedience to his commands. For I will pass through the land, verse 12, of Egypt this night, and smite all the firstborn of land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt, while I execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are, 13 of 12. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Sprinkle the blood. If you want to live, sprinkle the blood. Eat with your sandals on, your robe tied up, get ready to move, and your staff or shepherd's crook in your hand. No pajamas. At this meal, no pajamas at all. You've got to be ready to go. A moment's notice. And that was God's plan. They were to just do it. Why? Because God was about to make history. He was. And these pe- people were going to be part of it. He was telling them, I'm going to call you out of these homes. It's going to be quickly. It's going to happen. After 400, 430 years of slavery, you are now going to go and be deliverance at last. Free indeed. <laughs> From that significant day to this present day, it's been such a part, such a part of the Jewish people, if you would. History was made that night, and it was because people believed God's word and turned and obeyed him. How many times have we seen John Patton, to God's obedient to God's call upon his life, went to the New Hebrides Islands and changed the island when he left? There was no, when he went, there was no Christian. When he left, there was no unbeliever. All because of God's word. And so that's, that's the change it wrought. Because he was obedient. This day shall be unto you in 14 a memorial. So that's the days and the duration in 17. And he shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore ye shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever in the first month, on the 14th day of the month, even until the 20th day of the month. So an entire feast of seven days it was to be. So the days, important. The duration, seven days. And the duty in 19. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. So it wasn't just the first day. It was for seven days there would be no leaven found whatsoever. So whether you were a stranger or a natural-born Jewish, sorry, Israelite person, I keep, Jewish really did not, Acquired that term until after the captivity. Israelite, God's chosen people, were at this point in time. So the Israelites, did, whether you was a, you were a natural born Israelite or uh, someone who'd come on the scene, if you want, and they had to be circumcised and join onto and agree with the Jewish faith, if you want to call it that, at this point in time, to, and that's how they were actually someone who could be a stranger. So whether you were had assimilated into the Jewish culture through circumcision, etc or whether you're actually a natural-born Israelite, you were to participate. Sometimes they're called aliens. They applied to foreigners living among them as well as the native-born Israelites. The alien or stranger may not eat the lamb or celebrate the Passover unless he'd been circumcised, as was the native Israelite. So as to be a part of the culture, the duty, the duration, the days. And that was the observance. 
verse 21, we see the performance. And Moses called for all the elders and said unto them, draw out, etc. Draw a lamb, get your hyssop ready. Interesting, the hyssop was a, a plant commonly found in the Middle East. It would grow into cracks of walls of tiny white flowers, fragrant aromatic leaves of the mint family. And they'd take those and they would dip them in the blood and sprinkle it. I think the most uh, widely known verse with hyssop is Psalm 51, 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. And so that's the idea. They take that and sprinkle that upon for the saving. This is our door here. And sprinkle here, here, and here. And then sprinkle the blood. And that was the saving for the people, for their family. They were to do that. A, a part of purification, even for those who had had leprosy, they would, were using a bird and running water. And it would sprinkle the, the, the mixture of blood and water upon the inflicted person. Also is used for the purified mildew homes. I wish it would work today with mildew. Another ritual involved a rite of purification that coming in contact with a corpse. So this hyssop, the details involved the using of hyssop. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And then we find not only the details, but there is in verse 23 a very uh, uh, difficult passage. Or not difficult, but it's uh, the word here is going to be difficult for it to explain. You have to put your thinking cap on. 23, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in into your houses to smite you that word destroyer i have even used in past time we called it the death angel or the angel of death can i just tell you from the get-go death angel or angel of death is found nowhere in our king james translation of scripture period so what is this and so you just i'll give you some ideas and at the very end i'll give you what i think uh, most likely what we can say for sure but in the context here it's one who destroys uh, we find uh, one verse or this destroyer in, in the other context in Sodom, a different Hebrew word. It means to lay waste uh, in Genesis 13, Genesis 18, etc. They're going to lay waste, destroy them. The Septuagint, however, uses Othereno here, which means to kill, to destroy, and is used in Hebrews 11.28, which says, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So folks have decided and thought about, well, this destroyer, is it some kind of uh, angel? I'll just, go, I'll just go off the cuff here. Is it some kind of angel? Well, we know that in Revelation, there is the Abaddon, Hebrew, and Apollyon, Greek. That, well, that might be the destroyer. Or it could be some... But those two angels, in my thinking, are coming up out of the bottomless pit. So that's not a good thing for to come up out of the pit. I think it would be a fallen angel. I believe this would be an angel directly summoned, if you're going to say it's an angel, summoned by God to destroy. Kaiser says the destroyer was not a demonic power that rivaled God, but was probably an angel of the Lord who expedited his will. Look with me for just a moment at the story in Psalm 78, 49. We actually looked at this verse in the darkness. We talk about the darkness, 7849, 7849 of Psalm 78, verse 49. I've changed the microphones a little bit up here. Why are you hearing my pages turn up here? Because I've got microphones sitting real close here. But there we are. That's why I hear. And we're still working on tweaking that. Uh, in 78, let's do 
48 and 49 of Psalm 78, he gave up their cattle also to hail and their flocks to hot thunderbolts. He cast them upon them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, and indignation, and troubled by sending evil spirits among them. Now, it is thought, we talked about last time, during the darkness, it could have been evil spirits in, within the darkness who were frightening because the Egyptians were, were frightened uh, at that point in time. And so, but this also could be, some have even called this a company of evil angels. Uh, but what it says here for us is this, now, sending evil angels. Now, the actual word angel is used there. So some would say, well, then that angel refers back to the destroyer of Exodus 12, 23. Interestingly enough, we find that the New Testament, remember the word destroyer in Hebrews eleven twenty eight, 28, used that word, etc., for angel there, uh, or destroyer, I'm sorry. And then in number 16, we find, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 9 and 10, the word destroyer is, the, is also used there. So was this a destroying angel? It's, there's an angel of death not mentioned. Death angel not mentioned. So God either used an angel or he used, I'm thinking, if you go back to 23 of our text, possibly a theophany. Perhaps it was Christ himself that came. But what does the Bible say over here in 12, 23 of Exodus? For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. So I would take that then, putting it all together, what we can say is the death angel is not used, angel of death, those exact terminologies are not used in the scripture. However, there were angels associated with the, the plagues from, from Psalm 78, Hebrews eleven twenty eight. But I cannot, with apodictic certainty, say exactly what it was. Christ used an angel or he himself, and he brought the destruction upon the people. We know there's a destroying angel over in Second Samuel. It said there at the threshing place of the Jebusite, and David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people. There was a destroying angel at the plague, if you remember. There was a destroying angel in Hezekiah's day that killed 185,000 people. But it's those places are often called the angel of the Lord, which I believe at times refers to Jesus himself. And so you can decide for yourself, I can tell you this, is that Christ or an angel he promoted to do this or had to do this destroyed the firstborn of the Egyptian people, and it was the worst night of their probably history ever. So that's the destroyer. Maybe more information than you wanted. But uh, we find that God says, if you have the blood over your door, it is interesting. I think we forget that if they go outside their home, I don't want to say all bets are off, but you shouldn't say that, but you're going to be killed too. So you must stay within the protected area. You must stay in the fold, if you would, if you expect to be protected by the blood on the doorpost. So the details under the performance, the destroyer, and the discussion starting in 24, if you're still with me there, 24. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever, and it shall come to pass when ye uh, be come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, and he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. 
This is a great part. If you're a history or nostalgic type person about things that have gone on in the past, and, and my wife reminds me of different things that I've forgotten, et cetera, and I can think back to the, just think back to when you're growing up and, and the snakes you saw and, and what you observed in McGolfin County and all these different things, and you think, well, a little bit of nostalgia, and, and perhaps you'll drive back down by Craft Creek there in McGolfin County, and, 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 and for me, that would be, what is this for you? But this is a chance uh, for parents and grandparents right here. Uh, remember, perhaps in your own lives, perhaps your children or grandchild might have said, Dad, Mom, why do we pray before we eat? At Joey's house, they never pray. They just dig in. Why do we pray? Or, Dad, why do we go to church every week? Hardly anybody at school goes to church. And, Mom, what is this juice and cracker thing we do at church? What does it mean? And, Papa, how did that girl know she was supposed to go be a missionary? Did God tell her? And, Grandma, why do you go every week to the crisis pregnancy center when they, that, where they help women with big decisions? Can't somebody else go? And those are your chance. That's your opportunity, parents, grandparents, to... Well, let me explain to you why they do this. So why doesn't, I'm doing this off the cuff, why doesn't the pastor have more contemporary type music? Because the pastor believes that when we come to church, I don't want to offend people by music that makes them uncomfortable. So we err on the side of conservatism. And so when you go outside the church walls, you can listen to whatever kind of music you choose. It's between you and God. But when you come here, I want it so everyone can be at least comfortable. It might be their favorite music, but I don't want to turn people out because it's uh, wild and woolly and they're not comfortable. So that's why the pastor uses more, that's why I use more conservative music at our church, because of that reason. But why do we have communion? What does communion mean? Why do we go to church? These are questions you and why do we trust the Bible? They're questions, when that comes, take advantage. Those are grandparental, parental, and uncle, if you want moments. Classic opportunities for you and I to help our children, grandchildren, maybe our nephews and nieces, why do we do these things? Don't brush off such questions. Now, there can be some questions that you brush off, especially uh, if it's uh, if you're you know it's like your grandchild and you want your son or daughter-in-law to answer those questions. You can brush those off. It goes your dad. Goes your dad. But there are sometimes there are questions that we need to answer. Why do we walk the Christian walk? Why is Christianity so important? I was just reading a statistic. I think it was Mr. Stevens' mother put this on uh, on her Facebook page, which I don't look a lot, but I just happened to see this one. There is a 0.0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. There is a 100% chance that your child will stand before God. Get him in church. And by the way, if your child or grandchild wants to become get a scholarship to college, Bowling. Bowling is the easiest way to get a scholarship to college, just telling you. And so, uh, or if you're a daughter, get, play, let her play golf because they've got to have matching scholarships for the men, the young guys and the girls uh, in golfing. So there you go. But bowling is the tip of the day. After they've entered and conquered the promised land, it would be easy for the people to settle down and forget the great acts of God on their behalf. We look at the building next door and we forget. We've been working on this before I even came to Little Standing Baptist Church. You had a large amount saved before I even walked through the door, before I even came back from the fishing trip from Minnesota that first time we popped in the door. You had a lot of that already started. And that, I want to say, is between three to $400,000 is completely paid for. We have spent, uh, we've spent 10 years. 
But when we walk into it, we can say, you know, it's all covered. And, and, and so praise the Lord for that. If we don't tell our people how these things happen and what people and how people sacrificed, how this church, did it not start in a, in a home? Was it not started, Mr. Womack, in a home, this church? I believe it was. Started in somebody's house before it came over here. About night, Was it 1980? This building was built, I think, somewhere in that general neighborhood. It was. So we, we, it's up, it's been, who's us to share with our children and grandchildren God's blessings upon the lives? The one church my dad pastored down in Hendricks, Kentucky, they have a beautiful building now and, and still going on and carrying on and still going forward. And they moved out of the, where the missionary ladies were and they, they lost that building. They moved to and have a lot better location, really nice building now going forward. The yellow one closed. <laughs> It was, uh, I don't know if it's, I think it was boarded up, the back way up Craft Creek, somebody, when you lease the property or people let you build on the property, when you leave, they want everything on that property back. And so that happens. And so that's what happened there. And so I think it's a house now, maybe perhaps. But we have to share the people that were lives were changed and went to Bible school. We have got to share those things. And so the teaching moment is going to be for the Israelite people. Why are we observing this? Why are we? Why do we have to hold my staff in my head? Why do I have to tie up my robe? And, and, and why are we eating with our sandals on? We tell us to take off our shoes as soon as we come in the tent. Now we're eating. And so that's the teaching moment. The details, the destroyer discussion. How about the doing in twenty seven? And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel uh, of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did they. And that's why history was changed. We consider, consider for a moment God's calling on your life. Have you also observed the theme of this? It's like beating through the pulse of this whole passage. is O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. That's how they lived. It was, if you don't obey this time, you're not going to live. If you don't do what God has said. They, they heard the Lord's word through Moses and they obeyed to the very smallest detail. And they experienced deliverance at last. And one man said this, they made history while Pharaoh became history. They made history. Pharaoh became history. Can we apply these thoughts regarding God's will? Perhaps our greatest struggle, I love this, is not in the realm of understanding the will of God. It is the realm of obeying the God whose will it is. Well, I just don't know what the Lord wants. I tell you, I've told you before, one day at a time being God's will tomorrow and the next day, and then five years from now, you'll be just where he wants you to be. Just obey him today, obey him tomorrow. I was reading, I, I was talking to a guy, uh, texting uh, yesterday or messaging with a guy, uh, hadn't heard from him for a long time, and we we're talking about God allowing U-turns, and he said this, he texted these very words. He said, yesterday, he said he considered, the guy said, he considers himself God's comedian. He makes angels laugh because he thinks he can go on his own way, it will work out the best, and it crashes again. And so that, that's, uh, we have to be obedient he says the angels laugh because he thinks, hey, I got this on my own. And, and no, nope, he does, doesn't have it so much. To be painfully honest, someone has said, when you and I look back at our lives, we do not find ourselves puzzled and mystified about God's will nearly as much as we find ourselves stubborn and resistant to the one directing our steps. Our problem is not that we do not know. Our problem is that we do know, but are not willing to follow through. That's why I, I, in our household, the, the, the mantra is, 
If you're praying for God to open the door and he opens the door, you got to walk through it until he tells you no. Don't start praying for an open door and then, well, I just, I don't think I, if he opens that door and you feel you have got to go. How many people said, Lord, are you calling me to missionary service? And three doors open. I, I don't know. I, I just don't think. I, and, they, and they never go. They miss the opportunities. There was a man over here I, I, in this area, in this county. I can't remember exactly the, 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 he said, Pastor, I want you to know that when I was like 20 years old, I felt God called me to preach. And I never did it. And I have regretted that decision my entire life. I felt like I missed what God wanted me to do. I can't remember the guy, honestly, I can't remember his name. But he told me, I missed it. I missed the opportunity. No, all of us aren't missionaries, can be, and all of us can be pastors. But all of us have a will that God wants for us to do, to, whether it's to, to witness or to go or to pray or to teach or to give or whatever he's called you to do, we are to do that and not resist. The observance, the performance, and here's the third word, the deliverance. Verse 29 and 30, we covered that last time. There is the dying, the firstborn from Pharaoh on down. They lost their firstborn. It was a horrific time for the Egyptians. They're probably running through the streets screaming and, and crying. And, and, and by the way, that, that's what happens when you have no, no hope for the future. I mean, what's life after death? They, now, Egyptians, as you well know, if there's anyone who thought they had a, a mind of what happens after they died, it was the Egyptians. My goodness, they put them in gold caskets, some of them, a few of them, and they have all these, they bury them things, so in the afterlife, they can do these things. I mean, there was always, in the mythology, there was, you put these two coins on, on the, the corpse's eye, so when he gets down to the river Styx, the, the ferry boat man, I can't remember his name, but he, you give him the coin and he carries you across. I can tell you, there's a sweet, swing low, sweet chariot coming forward. There's angels when I pass. I believe there's going to be, I don't know, maybe one. Probably it's going to be a guardian angel going, finally, finally. I don't have to watch over him anymore. He's giving me gray hair. Look at his own hair. is almost gone already. So there you go. The dying. There's the directing in 31. And he called for Moses, this is Pharaoh, and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. So when Pharaoh told Moses and Aaron to leave, he said, Twice as ye have said regarding the request, he's going to comply. You go, your husbands go, your wives go, the kids go, the family goes, everybody goes, the animals go. Just go. Just go. No restrictions. doesn't say, I only go three days. Just go worship. So all these things he have been doing in the past, he said, no, go ahead and do those things. But there's, the, there's two words, too late. He's too late to get the blessings. He complied with the demand God had made back over when the first, before the first plague come, let my people go. Well, no. It's too late to receive the blessing for obedience. Delayed ob- obedience is just plain disobedience. He delayed, cost cost him those things. Dis- delayed obedience extracts a tremendous cost. And many folks of many ages have learned that the delay, the obedience cost your peace of mind. Your peace of mind. They knew it was right to do, but they just put it off. 
Bless me also, he says. Pharaoh desired the blessing, but despised the conditions of obtaining the blessing. The world is full of such folks. Lord, I want you to bless me and, and, and bless me really good and just pour your blessings upon me. But I don't want to live like I'm supposed to live, but I want you to bless me. This young people today is like Esau wanted the blessing apart from the condition of the blessing. For he wanted the blessing, but not the birthright. In many churches today, we find that the young people, for example, they think, well, I want to live worldly and have friends with benefits and live my life, but I want the Lord to keep for me one young person, a man or boy or girl who's not been doing that. So when I get ready to marry, I want the Lord to have that person who's done the right thing, although I am not. How can we, now, I'm sure people, how can we expect that? We can't. Pharaoh, it's too late. Bless me also. Well, sir, you should have asked, you should have done that the first plague. And then you done business with God then. 33. And we find then the people, and the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. Just leave already. So Pharaoh's not the only one urging them to exit, the people as well. Swindoll says nobody ever had more help getting their bags packed than those Israelites that night. Can you, mind, can you imagine trying to find a U-Haul truck if you're Israelite? I mean, everybody was one. They weren't reserved early, so it was like, er, it was like busy. The phone was busy every time we called, because er, er, everybody's wanting to get a truck. We got to go right now. And they were pushing them out. And since they were obedient, ready to go when they called, they walked right on out of Egypt and just kept walking. Now, sadly, they had to walk for 40 years, but they kept right on walking. What a night it was. The dying, the directing, and then the departing, starting in 34, the departing, and the people took their dough, uh, took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in the clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. Now, I have been studying from the Hogdazian manuscripts, which are extremely rare. I learned something that no one else has ever learned about this, that there was something developed during this era that no one knows about until I'm going to share it with you even this evening. Because the shepherd's crook was in one hand and they had the kneading dough in the other, it's the first time they ever had crookie dough ice cream. So that's something you did not know until you came at the haagen manuscripts. That's where it came from. The word borrow. I worked on that, by the way. I've got my little things jotted in here so I wouldn't blow that one. I, I worked on that. The word borrow is not like I'm going to borrow and I offered... Alfred Steve, my brand new, to use my brand new paint sprayer I've never used yet. Now, if Steve comes and gets that tomorrow, I'm going to expect it back. I mean, I, not five years from now, but I will expect it back like next Sunday. Uh, he's not even going to come and get it. I don't think he'll come and get it. But you see, that, that's what we talk about borrow. This borrow is not that. It's, 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 it's non-returnable borrowing. God gave them this. They have been enslaving now for 400, 430 years, however you want to calculate it there. They've been enslaved to the Egyptians who thumped them and beat them and treated them mercilessly, killed their children. So now the chickens are going to come home to roost and they are going to get from get from the Egyptians. Verse 36, and this is where we're stopping with 37. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Oh, wow. The Egyptians lost their uh, riches because the Lord gave the people, Israelites, favor in the sight of the Egyptians. 
But they really had no justification for giving up their jewels and treasures because they had gotten so much for nothing for so long. Interesting, John Butler ties it in with those who connive and cheat in business. They're never going to really gain. They're ultimately going to lose. They may, be, they may have their bank account increased, but their uh, lives are going to be forfeit in many ways because of it. Many Christians today have gone out, missionaries have gone out without very much remuneration, trusting in the Lord. And I will have to say, as a pastor, as parents who are missionaries, we've almost, I won't say we have, but we've almost lost the by faith mindset. I just get that feeling that if I can't figure out exactly how the ends are going to meet and I've got to have so much uh, uh, to do this and do that, I can't. Now, I understand you have to supply for your family. I understand that. I wonder, though, if we haven't gotten so much in the actual numbers game that we've forgotten, I'm going to trust the Lord for this. And if I can't, I'm going to put it on my charge card. And then we get in, and then we get in financial trouble, etc. Instead of trusting the Lord by faith, and they're leaving by faith. They don't know where they're getting their next meal. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such thing as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians. Later on, there's going to be a tabernacle and they're going to have all the things ready that they need to build the tabernacle. And 37, as we close, one more comment about this. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides children. One and a half to two million easy, I think. One half to two million people. And think of the logistics. There's no catering. There's no Chick-fil-A or lamb, lamb okay uh, catering at this next meal. Think of the sanitation. There's no Jacoby on the spot. The use, there's nothing there. Think of the dietary and medical problems. We're just leaving and we don't know where we're going, but we're walking on. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a church, one church alone? Stepping out by faith and trusting the Lord for everything. I think we're bereft of the enjoyment of that because we in America, and we, I've enjoyed, you've enjoyed the riches that God has allowed us to have, which I'm thankful for. And do I really want to live by faith? You know, that's sad. It's sad that do I have to ask myself, do would I rather live by faith one meal at a time or have everything planned out for the rest of my life as I see it? I tell you, 99.99% of Christians say, I'll take this, have my life planned out for the rest of my life as I see it, instead of the 1.001% that says, you know, I think I would rather just trust God day by day. Am I, am I, am I making connection with you? I think we've lost that. I have lost that. My, my parents live by faith far more than I will ever, ever, ever live by faith. They had no contingency plans. If God can preserve us from death when it is raging all around us, surely he can preserve us in this moment. I close with these words from Spurgeon. He says, I have dwelt sufficiently on the efficacy of the blood, but no tongue of seraph can ever speak its worth. I must go home to my chamber and weep because I am powerless to tell this story adequately. I appeal to you in the name of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourself to him in faith. 
relying upon his atoning blood to save your soul. And then you can sing, as William Cooper wrote, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may you, though vile as he, wash all your sins away. Wow. We, we need to get back to a great God and a little people who by faith and his marvelous grace can attain unto a redemption that the angels cannot even sing about. So may we rejoice. Deliverance at last. Let us pray. Oh Lord, I'm humbled just even by those last words. I cannot even begin to adequately portray the marvelous power of you to deliver your people from this the degradation of slavery to the Egyptians. Lord, but there also is the greatest miracle is when you delivered me from the power of sin and saved my life and soul. Thank you for that. Each of us who know you as personal Savior, I believe all of us here have made a profession of faith in Christ. We just all rejoice together that you have saved us, redeemed us. May we live like that this week. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.